a pleasure to be here with you this morning. And um, the text for this morning is Matthew chapter 9. Beginning in um, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Kind of a great um, missions passage, but I hope we'll see this morning that it really speaks to all of us um, wherever we are. Uh, kind of a little bit of background before we read it. Where are we in the book of Matthew right now? Well, Jesus began his public ministry in Matthew chapter 4. We had the story of the nativity and everything before that. And it says in chapter 4 that um, Jesus began preaching, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, so he began preaching the kingdom of heaven, which whatever that is. Um, which I, I think, though, that he went on and defined for us in the, in the Sermon on the Mount which goes through five and six and, and seven there. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, read the Sermon on the Mount. You realize what kind of what it's supposed to look like. Um, and then we, we have some other different things, and we, um, Jesus does some things, and we come here then, um, arrive at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and it, and it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel is just a fancy word for good news, right? The good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's interesting that in the book of Matthew, there are three times when Jesus has compassion. It says Jesus had compassion in the book of Matthew three times. This is the first. This is the first time Jesus had compassion. He had compassion on the crowds. He saw their situation. And what did he want? He wanted people to go out and to work on them. Uh, the next, two, um, the next two times are found in chapters 14 and chapters 15 of the book of Matthew, where he feeds the 5,000 and then the 4,000. He sees the crowds again, he has compassion on them, and he, he provides, for them, uh, provides for their needs physically and spiritually, uh, speaking to them. And what I would like to submit to you this morning is one of the major motivations for ministry that we have. I mentioned, I mentioned the one, maybe the, the great theological motivation for ministry, and that is this idea that God deserves that we should all worship him, that we should all think about him the right way, that we should all um, honor him and serve him. He deserves that. We have, so we have this great theological principle that kind of is, is over all of that that says this is why we should do ministry. This is why we should go out and do all of these things. <laughs> But another thing, the other thing that drives us to ministry, the thing that drove Jesus to ministry, was that he had compassion. And what I would like to submit to you this morning is that the followers of Jesus, as they see the world, as they see what's happening and what's going on in the world, as they see the masses, as they see the crowds, they react to them, or they should react to them, with compassion. The followers of Jesus react to the world with compassion. 
Now, one of the things that you notice when you live outside of a country, and then you I, I grew up here, lived all my life in the U.S., but we, we spend most of our time now outside of the U.S., and so you come back. We, we read things on the internet and see things, but one of the things I, I couldn't help but notice is that uh, it seems, anyway, over the last few years, that public discourse in, in the U.S. has become uh, very polarized. There are the people who are, you know, for health care and the people who are against health care or national health care. There are the people who are for bailing out the auto companies and the people who are against bailing out all of those companies. Um, and all of these different arguments, things that go around, um, and not the sides tend to be very polarized and that you try to win their point by tearing down the other side. That's not very compassionate. They try to do things by, by, by making the other side look as bad as possible. But that's, that's not what, what God would, would have us do. He would have us have compassion. Now, I don't know about you, but the, the fact that, that I'm supposed to be compassionate is a troubling thing because I, I am not a very compassionate person. When I see somebody who's, you know, in trouble and, and you know, they've, they've got a bunch of their, their bad circumstances, you know, they, are, you know they, they need money or they're in a lot of debt or something, I, I immediately, my mind thinks, you know, you made about a hundred bad decisions or more to get you to the point where you are right now. And that may well be true enough. That may be perfectly true, and may, you can reason it out and say, that's right. They, you made all of these bad decisions. The trouble is, it's not very compassionate. And what, what God wants us to do, he wants us to, he wants us to respond in compassion. And many times, I, I even have trouble responding in compassion to those who are closest to me. It's not the people that, who, are, who are far from me, too. The people who I don't really know or who are acquaintances, uh, they, maybe they're hard to have compassion, but I even have trouble having compassion on, uh, in my family, my children, and other things. Uh, you know, maybe you've done this before, but my, you know, sometimes my children really get on my nerves. And maybe you've said this to your kids once or twice before, if you have kids, but you tell them they start, you know, yelling or they start fighting and screaming or whatever, and you say, you know, I'm not in the mood. Just not in the mood. That's what I'm like a lot of times. I'm not in the mood to be compassionate. I'm not in the mood to, to, to react to people a certain way. You know, oh, if I just was in the mood, sometimes, you know, I'm, I, if I'm having a good day, I can react compassionately. But generally, you know, lots of times I'm not in the mood. Now, you know, with my kids, I don't think there really ever is a mood in which I'm willing to have them, you know, listen to them fight. They would be pretty shocked if I came home one day and said, kids, good news. Daddy's in the mood to hear a good fight. <clears throat> So Daniel, why don't you punch your sister, and, and Abby, why don't you overreact and, and, and scream, and, and we'll have, you know, it'll be a really good time. I mean, there's no, there's no mood for that kind of thing, and, and that's not quite the same idea, I know, but, but isn't, that, isn't that kind of what it's like? I mean, we, you kind of have to work it up to, to get into the, to being compassionate. Now, some of you, some of you have the gift of compassion. And it's, it's, easy, it's much easier for you to be compassionate. You see people, and it's just your natural reaction to be compassionate. But it's upon all of us. It's upon all of us to be people 
who are compassionate, who want to be compassionate, just because they're inconvenienced by things. I mean, when, when I get inconvenienced, I'm not compassionate. One of the things on, on Fridays, Friday is the, is the Islamic holy day, and if you're going to pray any day as a Muslim, you, you ought to pray Friday at the mosque because you get more points with God, essentially. That's kind of a, uh, kind of a gross way of putting it, but it's true in, in the end. Um, you get more points for, for praying on a Friday in the mosque. So a lot more people go. Friday prayers, Friday afternoon prayers at the mosque is kind of crowded, and they spill out into the streets, and then they block the streets. And then I, I can't go where, where I want to go, or I have to, you know, drive around them. So, that, you know, that gets me kind of annoyed. I'm not very compassionate. And you say, well, that, that's not very spiritual. And I guess my reaction is, well, I guess compassion isn't the only thing I struggle with. <laughs> but it's not, it's, not, it's not spiritual. It's not compassionate. It's not compassionate because the compassionate person can look on them and see their plight and say, look, they, they are worshiping, they are bowing down and worshiping a God that is not a God. And God is being robbed of his glory in the process of all of this. Compassion says we reach out um, to them. And another interesting note to think about as we think about Jesus, the example of Jesus having compassion on the crowds. What was he doing and who were these crowds? Well, these crowds, maybe not every single one of the people, but the crowds in general are the same ones who three years later, when Pilate says, what should I do with this Jesus whom you call King of the Jews? What do they say? They say crucify him. Crucify him. Put him to death in a very painful way, essentially. Now, do you think Jesus was naive at this point? Do you think he was naive here in chapter 9 and in chapter 14 and in chapter 15? He didn't realize what the crowds were like. He didn't realize that they were going to do that to him. He didn't know that that was going to be the end result of his compassion to the crowds, that they would betray him. Of course he knew. Of course he understood he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what was happening. He, he knew what the end result would be, and his compassion was not based upon what the crowds were going to do for him. His compassion um, was based upon his love for them. And so in spite of who they were, in spite of what they would do for him in the end, Jesus had compassion for them. And what I, what I would like to say this, and again, this idea for us this morning is that the followers of Jesus, as we see the world, as we see people all around us, we should be reacting to them with compassion. As we go out and we see all those people, you know, who don't believe politically the same way we believe, who don't maybe believe religiously the same way we believe, or on some other issue or some other thing, um, how will we react to them? What will be our reaction Because what I would like to submit to you is one of the main motivations for ministry, for ministry within the church and all of around that, I said we have this great theological principle that tells us we should minister. But the thing that really drives us out there and sends us out into ministry is compassion. It's compassion for, those Sunday, for the kids in your Sunday school that you're going to teach. It's compassion for the people in, in the, uh, for, that are going to be here at the worship service when you're on the music team. And you, know, you don't feel like going to another rehearsal or whatever the, the things are. 
That's one of the, ma- the things that, that drives us out there to do it, to do it with a willing heart, is to have compassion upon the people to whom we're ministering. But it, it's, not just com- it's not just blind compassion that Christ calls us to have, but it's compassion with um, a kingdom perspective that, that's guided uh, by the ideas of the kingdom. Look again in verse 37. He says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus saw that the harvest was plentiful. His disciples probably weren't even thinking about whether there's a harvest or there isn't a harvest or anything. They were just kind of tagging along. But Jesus looked at the crowds. He looked at these people who, you know, the religious elites looked at and said, well, they're just rabble. They're just crowds. They don't really know anything. And Jesus looked at them and he says, the harvest is plentiful. He had a kingdom perspective. He knew that God's kingdom is coming and that God's kingdom is growing. And that there will be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that is going to be within this kingdom. There is a harvest out there. As we work, as we minister, do we see that? Do we have some idea of that? Or have we kind of closed in on ourselves and say, ah, boy, there's just not much use. You know, people are hard. They're just really hard. And, and, you know, they just don't want to hear anything. Or, or can, we, can, we, can we move beyond that? Can we see this idea that God's kingdom is coming and it will be established? It's coming. The kingdom is, is actually here in some way now, and it will come completely when Jesus returns. But God is building his kingdom. That's a part of what we're doing. That's a part of, of Jesus' compassion. In the midst of that compassion, he knew that God's kingdom was being built. It was a compassion that had this kingdom perspective along with it. The harvest is plentiful, but what does he say? The laborers are few. There's not enough workers for the harvest. So what does Jesus do? What does he say? How does he get more workers, more laborers for the harvest? Does he say, all right, now I want each of you, 12 disciples, I want you to go out and I want you to get five friends. I want you to bring them back here. And then we'll have, you know, we'll have 60 plus 12, we'll have 72 people then. And then we'll have a lot more people and we can do a lot more work. Kind of a good plan. Or does he, you know, try and force people into ministry as we do in in churches sometimes? where, you know, you kind of try and guilt somebody into doing uh, ministry or go kind of camp out on their lawn, you know, until they agree to be the, the Sunday school coordinator. <clears throat> How does, what, is, what is his methodology here? What, what, is he, what does he do? He doesn't do any of that, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't even talk about, you know, come up with a great strategy for how we can do this. And I'm not opposed to strategies. But what does Jesus see as the main problem here? He sees that the main problem is spiritual. And therefore, the answer is what? Spiritual. It's a spiritual answer. So what does he say? He says, therefore, pray. And pray how? Earnestly. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into his harvest. It's his harvest to start with, um, and he's the one who is going to raise up and to send out the laborers. It's prayer. You know, prayer's a funny thing. You know, we can talk about it in theological terms, and we can say, well, prayer is the means through which God accomplishes his ends, and, and that's true. It, it is a means, but, but how, does, how does it really work? I mean, how when, you know, we spend a little bit of time praying here earlier, you know, and we believe as Christians that that actually changed things, that the world will actually be different for the few minutes that it was spent praying here. How, how does that actually all work together, and why does God do it that way? Well, I don't really have the answer to that, but it's true. God is the one who does these things. God is the one who raises up workers for himself because it's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. And, and as well, you know, you can try and work up compassion in your heart all you want. I, I can tell you from experience it doesn't work. You cannot get this, this old heart that we have that's corrupted by sin to be compassionate. You can't just build it into it. You can fake it. You can fake it for a while, but then you get tired of it. But, but the fact is, what we need, what each one of us needs, some of us, like me, more than others, we need God to come and to change our hearts, to give us hearts of compassion to want to reach out and to work and to do ministry. We need God to change our hearts. And if He does that, if God changes your heart, if He gives you a heart that's, that's compassionate, I guarantee you, you will not be able to just come to church on Sunday and go back and that's it. You can't. You can't have a heart of compassion for people and for, for, for ministry and just do that. You have to. You have to go up. You have to go out. You have to go out into the harvest and serve. Because your compassion drives you to it, just like the compassion of Christ drove him. His compassion drove him to do what he needed to do. And so the answer this morning isn't to make you feel guilty. That's real easy to do, you know. You, you think of something that makes, you know, as a, as, a, as a speaker or a preacher, you just think of something that makes you feel guilty, and then, you know, you lay that on everybody else. It's pretty simple, really. It's not very difficult or complex. But guilt doesn't work very well either. Guilt lasts for a little while, you know, and then you kind of get tired of it. And so that's, if that's what you're thinking, if you're just feeling guilty, you've missed the point. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to just feel guilty. I, maybe, maybe you should. Maybe you haven't been doing the things you should do and you feel some guilt. And what you should do with that guilt is you should Repent. And you should pray and ask for forgiveness to God and, 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 and ask Him to change you. And as you fail more, go back and you feel more guilt, go and pray again. But know that that guilt can be gone by praying and by asking for forgiveness. There's no reason to keep that guilt. You don't have to have it hanging around. You can get rid of it. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about God making a difference in our lives. God actually changing our hearts to give us hearts that are compassionate. But that, that's something that we need to want. That's something that, that we uh, need to be asking for. Maybe we don't want it. Maybe we just need to go to God and say, you know, I don't really want to be compassionate. Um, but, you know, I think I need to be, so would you do something about that? And, and God will work with us on that. He'll help us. 
Because the followers of Jesus react to the world with compassion. You know, in a lot of churches, it's scary. I don't know how it works out here, but generally they have this rule of thumb that says 15% of the people of the church do 85% of the work. And it works out pretty well that way in tithing as well. 15% of the people give something like 85% of the tithing. And it varies from church to church. Some churches are better than others, but it's almost scary how well that works out. And so my question this morning, I don't know where you fit in that. I have no idea, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't give me insight to look at people and, you know, know anything. And I hope your church is not like that. I hope your church, or everyone is involved in doing things. And God gives us different phases of life, too, where, um, you know, when you have young ones, sometimes it's harder to do more things, and other times you have more time. But do we, do we have that compassion? Are we re- reacting to the world with compassion? One of the things we face in working in the Middle East is, uh, and, and happily, not too much in many of the churches that we visited, but the reactions of some people here are not very compassionate towards Arabs, towards Muslims. But that, that's not Jesus' reaction. That's not the way Jesus reacts to, to the people who hated him, to the people who would eventually crucify him. He reacted even to those people with compassion. And that's what God's calling us to do. And I think it's one of the great motivators of missions is to have compassion, is that God somehow puts on your heart a compassion for a people that maybe you're not living with, but a people on the other side of the world, and that compassion then drives you and sends you to another part of the world. But it doesn't have to work that way. He can give you compassion for a group of people that are right inside your community. And you go and you work and you minister to that group right there. God works in different people in different ways. But I think it's the same way. It's the same kind of thing. It's this change of heart. It's this thing that makes us distinctly Christian like Jesus. And that we have this great teaching and understanding um, theologically about what we're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, God changes our hearts to have the right kinds of emotions about people. The right, you know, it's not good enough to just think properly. That, that's, it's very good to think properly. But we also need to act properly too, don't we? It's no good to just think properly and then act you know, any way you want. We need, to, we need to think properly and we need to act properly. But even on top of that, even more, as Christians, we need to have the right kinds of emotions. You know, we, need, we need to be upset about the things that would upset Jesus. We need to feel sad about the people in hard circumstances that Jesus feels sad about. And in order to do that, in order to get those right kinds of emotions, um, compassion is one of the great things that we need. And so think this morning. Think, and I challenge you throughout the week to pray. To pray that God would, would give you compassion. That God would give you a heart of compassion for those people um, who are in need. For those who are, are, are helpless and in need, of, uh, in need of, of spiritual help, in need of physical help. One of the things we get oftentimes um, accused of in the PCA is that we're the, you know, the frozen chosen. We have this, this great you know, reformed theology and we, we think a lot and we do. You know, we think about a lot of things and pastors and people read a lot of books and that's wonderful and it's great. Uh, and we have a lot of great thoughts. 
And you get, we get, as congregations, we get a lot of great things shared with us thought-wise. But we need more than that. We need those great thoughts. You know, we need the great actions that go along with it. And we need the great emotions to feel the right way about people to drive us. Because our emotions are things that keep us going. The things that keep us and, and move us out into ministry. Um, and, and again, the power, of, the power of prayer is the only thing that can do that. You know, I like to, um, I like to think a lot of myself. Um, I, I like to think that I'm a very capable person and that the reason that I can do what I do is just because, you know, I am who I am. You know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm pretty good. <clears throat> uh, but the, the fact <laughs> that the Spirit, you know, I don't have, you don't have to read too far in the Bible to figure out that that's not wrong, that we have this treasure, what, in earthen vessels, you know, not, not very nice things. You know, earthen vessels are the things you use for everyday use. You know, not, the, not the, like the fine china. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it, it's, it's not that great of a thing, you know, that we, that we have this, this spiritual thing in. We're, we're not that great. And we're reminded, um, somebody actually today gave us, this, um, gave us a card, and they wrote down every time that their group prayed for us, the date on there um, from your church here. And it's things like that that remind me, you know, why we're able to do what we do. That we have so many people who are praying for us, that are praying for our ministry, that are praying for us as, um, for the people we minister to, and that that's ultimately where this power comes from. That it comes from God. That, that it comes through prayer, that it comes through the prayers of, of those who are praying for us. Um, and I'm reminded again of uh, when, when I see things like this and I realize it, um, how little I pray. I remember once my grandmother, um, you know, showed me. She was a, a great woman of prayer. But, but she showed me in her Bible, this was towards the end of her life, the different things that she would pray for me in, in this book. In, you know, in, in the different prayers she had and different verses that she prayed for, you know, my, my brother and I. And it's humbling. It was humbling for me. You know, I sat there and I had to think, you know, I, I didn't do this. I, I didn't get to where I am spiritually just because, you know, I'm so smart or I'm clever or I have such a wonderful heart, you know, for God. But it, it's been the prayers. I, I've been carried on the back of, of the prayers of others of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life as God has done those things. And I, I just share that with you this morning just to encourage you that, that that's where it's at. That's how these things happen. And I know in our very busy world where we have so many things that we can do, we can watch TV, we can play Wii, we can do all kinds of things with our spare time. There's just any number of, uh, of things that we can do. And it's hard. Satan loves that because it squeezes out all of the spiritual things. And I know that because I struggle with all of them too. But what we need is we need God to change us through the power of prayer um, to make us a compassionate people. Let's pray.